Welcome to the Daily Drive. This show is dedicated to keeping you educated, informed, and most importantly, driven to succeed. We want your feedback, so call us at 1-800-437-5121. Everyone on the Daily Drive Show team hopes you enjoy this show. Here's your host, Ken Noor. Welcome to the Daily Drive Show. I'm so incredibly glad that you are here today. I hope that everything that you are working on is coming to fruition. I got to tell you, I tell you all the time that we've got a great interview lined up, but today we really have a great interview lined up. Today we're going to meet with Jim, Jim Thomas from Itemize, and Itemize is a really cool software product that anyone in business can use, and his story is pretty incredible, and we've got Jim on the line with us now. Jim, welcome to the show. How are you today? Terrific. Thank you. Excellent. Well, uh, Jim, you are the CEO and founder of Itemize, and Itemize solves a huge problem in business at least it does for me. Tell us all about Itemize. Well, you know, what was interesting, Ken, was that uh, I spent a career in the payments and banking business, uh, but I also um, am married to an architect. And we were sitting there one day staring at a pile of papers, a pile of receipts and invoices uh, that we needed to somehow uh, get into a billing system, get into an accounting system so we could get paid. Um, and despite a career in and around payments and banking, um, I realized that we were both hopeless in trying to make that happen. Uh, and that's and that's when I realized that you know this this is a real problem that everybody has, which is we've all got these piles of invoices and piles of receipts um, that we end up typing into expense management systems or Excel. Um, you know, we got to tape them to pieces of paper, run, run them down to the photocopier, and it just drove me nuts. And I said, somebody's got to do something about this. And actually, I think that somebody is me. <laughs> and so what does it do? So what it does is it takes new technology, you know, artificial intelligence um, and facial recognition kind of technology, um, and it embeds that in an app and a camera um, that, uh, that, that essentially reads the receipts and the invoices for you. So you snap a picture of the invoice and the itemized engine takes that image and actually reads what's on the invoice and creates your accounting entry or expense entry for you, which is pretty cool. Your accountant will love you now or your, or your bookkeeper will love you now because they're not having to take all these little bits of paper. Exactly. And the hardest part of the, uh, you know, the most annoying part of accounting um, is tracking down all those pieces of paper and making sure that the data is is lifted out of them and loaded into the accounting system. And traditionally, that's done by people sitting there and typing in the information. Um, and what we've managed to do is put an end to that. I wish I had thought of that. I mean, it's so straightforward. Exactly. And, and yet... What's interesting is that it's really complex. It's one of these things that seems like a, you know, it's a, been a long-term problem. Um, paper receipts have existed for, 
uh, time immemorial. In fact, the oldest document on planet Earth is a receipt. Is it really? Um, and, we, and we have them to this day, uh, and they're not going away anytime soon. So what, what we realized, you know, about 10 years ago was that the – uh, with the rise of artificial intelligence, the coming artificial intelligence wave, and smartphones, that we could bring those two things together and solve this problem for the first time. Right. So straightforward. So, but not easy in implementation. It it has taken you a while. You you founded the company in 2010. Where where are we now? Give me an idea of size and scope. How many users? I mean, what, what what's going on? So we have, you know, we support uh, hundreds of thousands of users on our platform. Um, we have processed uh, tens of millions of receipts through this engine that is really a pile of algorithms. I mean, if you think how Google does search on any website successfully, we kind of do the same thing on any receipt successfully. So we've built on the back of these tens of millions of receipts, we've built it sounds crazy, but we've built these self-learning algorithms that have figured out on their own how to read receipts. And so today, that engine is the best engine in the world. It it will read a receipt a receipt accurately, um, you know, 95 to 99 and a half percent of the time, uh, and it will do so in about 15 seconds. And that wow. and that involves. No human. All you have to do is to be able to operate your smartphone camera. If you can do that, your training is over, and you're ready to put to bed, you know, the the process of taping receipts to a piece of paper, scanning them, sending them to your bookkeeper, and having them sit there and type them into the system. Wow. Uh, Question for you just out of curiosity, uh, you know, for backup, if you will. Uh, if I'm audited by the IRS, I need to provide the real receipt. Does this also create a journal permanent log of those those physical receipts? I can now throw away all this paper? Correct. That's exactly right. So these documents are sufficient for the IRS. They meet the standards and the thresholds for being submittable to the IRS. So you can snap the piece of paper and chuck it in the trash, hopefully before you lose it, because half the challenge is not losing receipts. Uh, right. So by snapping it, you can immediately get it. And of course, receipts age out. They bleed out. The ink is not permanent on the paper. So, you know, the IRS window for an audit is about seven to 10 years. Um, but the lifespan of a printed piece of receipt paper, you know, can be as little as a year and a half. Well, you know, the the worst receipts, I think they've kind of phased them away, but the worst one. Those thermal receipts, oh, yeah, right? They're they terrible. Get, exactly. You get warm in your car and they turn into a, a gray blob of what was that, right? And that can happen really fast, right? That can happen three months in. Right. Heck, if you leave it in your car, it can happen tomorrow, <laughs> you know? Right. So, uh, so it's a receipt. I didn't throw it away. It's completely unusable, but here it is. Um, yeah, I totally can appreciate that. What gave you the spark for this? I mean, it was uh, you and your wife. Sitting down and it's that pile of receipts. That was that was the moment. How did you take that that spark and do something about it? So I was working in the payments business at the time, 
I was actually the head of the data business at MasterCard, and uh, I was responsible for harnessing data for MasterCard's customers and clients. Um, and then I am sitting on the floor looking at this pile of what I, in my eyes, was payments data. And I said, well, I'm supposed to be the guy who knows how to organize this stuff and harness it and put it to work. Um, nobody knows more about this than I do or, or only a few people. This is a real problem that I know everybody is confronting. So why don't we take a crack at it? Um, and so I sat down and figured out, uh, you know, what might be an approach that would work to actually solve this problem. I had already uh, had exposure to, you know, early artificial intelligence, machine learning, cloud technology, all that fun kind of stuff I knew was coming down the pike in 2010. And so what I basically said was, I know that computers are smarter than people and computers are going to be really cheap really soon. I can create um, artificial intelligence algorithms that can figure out this problem to read receipts. The crux of the challenge that we didn't know at the time was, could we in fact do that? Um, could we make the algorithms smart enough that they would be able to do it? And that was the leap of faith we took. Uh, and so over the years, we have accreted the knowledge and in, into the system, into the models, so that we can essentially read any receipt. Anything. It just doesn't matter. You just grab it. That's pretty, that's pretty awesome. It really doesn't matter. So I don't need to have a relationship with Walmart or Target or whatever retailer in order to, to read their receipt. I, I simply take a copy of that document. I load it into our system. Our system goes through a series of, of, of extraction efforts and validations. And it says, aha, I know this is a Walmart receipt. I know it's a Walmart receipt for 16 different reasons. There's special clues that I get. Uh, maybe it, maybe there's a, maybe there's an image in there that we like. Um, and then that, and then the, the system reads the receipt, and then it goes through a series of validations that say, does this make sense? Um, you know, how many points do I have that, that verify that it's a Walmart receipt? Does the math add up? Um, you know, is the, tax, is the tax within range of what the tax ought to be on a Walmart receipt in the state of, I don't know, Nevada? Right. Well, and I, I have to ask, just curious, the functional issue here. Um, what do you, what does a user do with the, uh, inevitably crazy long receipt? You know, the CVS pharmacy receipt that felt like a roll of toilet paper, all of it, but two items. Yeah. On, so those kind of cases, usually with the exception of the CVS receipts, which are ridiculously long, most receipts actually just fit within, within the realm of holding the camera back, um, you know, a couple more inches. Uh, the cameras are, the cameras on smartphones are better than human eyes which is funny but true. So if you just back the camera up another six inches and take the long receipt from typically a grocery store, it does a fine job with it. I gotcha. I gotcha. So am I able to add more photos if I have to? If, it's more if you have to, you can't. That's right. If you have you. to, you can't. I gotcha. Right. I gotcha. All right. Well, my audience loves to get and dive into, and I love to, too, to dive into and understand you as a person and your style and how you built this and how you think. And so 
I'm going to start off with a little set of rapid fire questions, uh, kind of one word uh, Q&A back and forth here. And it'll kind of naturally evolve into a longer format uh, as we move down the road. It'll get longer. You'll see. But in, in a single word, characterize your life as an entrepreneur. Ski slope. Ski slope. I like yep. that one. Uh, married or single? I already knew the answer. It's married. How long? Uh, four years. Four years. Well, congratulations. Yeah. Thank you. Um, dinner and a movie out or dinner at home and Netflix? Dinner and a movie out. Definitely. I live in Manhattan. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah. So it might even be a show. Uh, right. uh, Star, Star Wars or Star Trek? Star Wars. Uh, why? Oh, it just seems more genuine. I got you. Less, less commercial. Less commercial. Okay. Oh, but I, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm sorry. I said, I said, I said, I said, I meant to say Star Trek. I beg your pardon. Star Trek. Okay. Star Trek. Yeah, I yeah, was going to yeah, go yeah. wait. I, yeah. Okay. So Star Trek is a genuine, it feels real. I got you. Less commercial. All right. You're a new addition to the crayon box. What color would you be and why? Blue. I would definitely be blue. Um, I'm not good with uh, non-primary colors, so I would be blue. And um, I would be blue because of blue sky and um, and big horizons. Big horizons. I like it. Blue sky is, for some in our audience that aren't uh, been around the software world, just explain what blue sky and the software world means. Well, I just mean, I mean, for me personally, I mean, that you know, I gotcha. uh, any, anything's open, you can accomplish whatever you want. There um, you go. And, and the horizons are broad. I like... Uh, I, I like to, um, in my spare time, uh, occasionally fly airplanes, although I don't have much time for it anymore. And being up in a plane uh, with a big blue sky in front of you and horizons on your left and your right is pretty awesome. Uh, and it's a great segue into the next uh, question. What are your hobbies? And flying must be one of those. It, it, it is. I have too many hobbies. That's a problem. Um, so I, um, uh, I fly less than I used to, um, but I also play the piano a great deal. And um, it, it, I take my creative frustrations out on that. And uh, that's a lot of fun. And then I speak uh, a couple of foreign languages and I try and stay current and uh, primed with those. So that consumes a little time as well. I gotcha. Uh, and the piano, that's a great They Tell me that uh, people that play the piano also make good drummers because there's a rhythm aspect there, left and right hand thing going on. Yeah, that's, that's true. It's funny. I'm not that guy. My, my older brother is a really awesome uh, pianist and drummer, so it's funny you say that. But I'm, uh, my second instrument is the trombone and not the drums um and everybody begs me not to play the trombone very much including my dog so i mostly <laughs> stick to the piano all right you hinted at you have a dog uh, one dog multiple dogs we got we've got two dogs we have two portuguese water dogs those are the dogs yeah. that uh, obama had and uh, we love them they're terrific <laughs> right exactly exactly um what what makes you happy uh what makes me happy um, is, is, is first of all, obviously spending time with my family and, um, and the hobbies that we just mentioned, but, you know, more primarily is what makes me happy is building a business, um, that serves people, uh, solves a real problem for them, uh, and, you know, and creates a job and a livelihood for a group of people. Uh, and, you know, being able to, 
uh, provide for that um, is a source of great satisfaction. Very well said. What sacrifices have you had to make to be successful as an entrepreneur? You have to accept a lot of stress. You have to accept a lot of volatility. You have to accept that the buck stops here every time. Um, and you have to sacrifice um, a lot of, um, I would say, almost peace when you're, quote, unquote, not at work because you're never not at work. Um, and um, therefore, you know, you're worried about a lot all the time. And if you're not, you're insufficiently paranoid. It's the Andrew Grove line, right? Only the paranoid survive. We finished this interview. You step outside the office. You find a lottery ticket, $500 million. What do you do? Oh, I salt it away for a couple of months, and I hope that it doesn't uh, time out before then. But I certainly don't quit what I'm doing. doesn't change you. Um, doesn't doesn't materially change me. You know, the only thing I might do, Ken, is I might, uh, you know, I might, I, I, I might look down the road um, a couple of years and say, okay, well, you know, at 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 some point my retirement approaches more more uh, quickly than I might have expected. I, I also spend. I mean, I'm in the tech business in New York City. Um, I know a lot of people who um, have been extraordinarily successful, and their models in many cases for staying engaged with the world. Absolutely. I think when we, when we talk to true entrepreneurs and, uh, and you know, this isn't, you know, about the money. It, it becomes more about, I love doing this and I can't think about anything else, but doing something this or something like this. And so we talk about this. I, I don't know if there's a great description for passion, but could you describe that? Could you describe what it, what is passion? What does that mean to you? Passion to me means drive and commitment. Um, it's not it's not emotion. Our passion is a is a deep commitment to accomplishing something, and it's and it takes time. You know this notion that you, that you start a company and it's magically worth a hundred million dollars in six months. Yeah, we all read about those cases, but they are they are wildly anomalous. They're one in a hundred thousand. Um, it takes grit. It takes commitment. Uh, it, it 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 takes fortitude. Um, uh, to make something from nothing, um, to take money, and put it to work, put people to work, uh, and try and build a product, and to continually right. fail, right, and keep getting up and keep getting up. And I had a great conversation with Prince Fielder. Um, I don't know if you know Prince Fielder, but played for the Detroit. Uh, amazing guy. I said the hardest part about baseball. He says the fact that you're a failure most of the time. But profe professionals are professionals because they're willing to fail. You you hear, of course, of the the, the Michael Jordan quote: "You miss a hundred percent of the shots you don't take." Uh, again, and another, uh, you know, his, his shooting percentage was north of fifty percent, but still, most of the shots, or not most of the shots, but a lot of shots he took didn't go. I love I love that line that says, the only thing I can guarantee you is that if you do nothing, nothing will happen. Well, that was a fantastic chance to meet with Jim but we ran out of time in today's show and so we're going to come back tomorrow and continue this interview with Jim make sure that you come back in and listen again tomorrow have a great day
Thanks for listening, and thanks to our sponsor, That Company. Why is That Company the white label digital marketing provider for some of the biggest agencies in the industry? Because we get results, we retain clients, and we deliver profitability. Visit www.thatcompany.com to find out how we can make your agency more profitable. If you want to give us feedback, call us now at 1-800-437-5121 or drop by dailydriveshow.com. Make sure you add us to your Alexa daily briefing skill. Don't forget that you can listen to us live every day on WQBQ at 7.30 a.m. The show wouldn't be possible without the Daily Drive Show team, executive producer Jake Perrick, web guru Taj Royer, and the audio man with the plan. Shoddy. Don't forget to tune in tomorrow.